0: Amen. Thank you, worship team, for your ministry. We thank you for that. Well, once again, good evening to you and welcome. I want to tell you about this child who asked his father, Dad, how are people born? Or where did people even come from? His father said, well, son, originally God made Adam and Eve, and ever since then, that's where we've descended from. He says, "'Oh, that's interesting.'" So then he went to his mother, and he said, "'Mom, is this true, what Dad told me?' She says, "'Oh, no, son.'" She said, "'You see, we were all created as apes, and we descended from apes.'" So now the son was all confused. He went back to his father, and he said, "'You lied to me.'" His father said, "'Oh, no, son.'" I told you where I've come from and your mother was just telling you where she came from. (laughs) Her side of the family, family history. (laughs) Well, I hope you had a, a good day today. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6, and interestingly enough, this morning, Pastor Nick preached from Isaiah 43, and so we know the Spirit is speaking and moving, and so would you turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 8. If you are able to, would you please stand as we read Isaiah chapter 6, starting from verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Then one of the Sarah's flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the vision that you gave to Isaiah many years ago. We pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us tonight and help us to be obedient to respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Feel free to be seated. Many times when we recall events that have happened in the past, we would say, do you remember in 2003 that this happened or in 2006 this happened and that happened, right? You would recall in that way. Well, when we read the Bible, you'll notice many times that no dates are specifically given. In fact, you don't see dates happening. What we do see is a reference to who was in power at that time. And so just a side note for you, we'll see something, an event described as in the third year of King Darius's reign, or in the 12th year of King Ahab of Judah. And so In this section here of scripture, we see that the timeline is given in the year King Uzziah died. So we're told that this is when this event took place. As we would say today, which would be equivalent in 2018, so-and-so happened or this happened. Isaiah was given a vision. God gave him this vision, and it was absolutely amazing. And this vision is different than something that actually happened. You see, if something actually happens in front of you, then you're physically there. But in this vision that God gave him, he wasn't physically there He just saw what was going on in the same way that God gave uh, John the visions in Revelation. John was on the island of Patmos, but God gave him these revelations and told him to write it down, to share them, to tell people what it is that he was telling them and showing him. And so we see that verses 1 to 4 describe this vision that God gave Isaiah. God gave him this vision, and so he saw the Lord in the temple. Think about it. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw him exalted, so big and so great that he says that God's robe filled, the train of his robe filled the temple. God is so big and so awesome that he saw the greatness of God revealed. And not only did he see the greatness of God, but he saw what is described as seraphim, seraphs. And in this passage of scripture, it's the only passage that we have in our Bible. Bible in the canon that talks about these heavenly beings. And these are a class of angels. And they're described as magnificent creatures. We're told they have six wings. With two, they cover their feet. With two, they fly. And with two, they cover their faces. And you know what the job of these seraphim angels are? Their job and their responsibility is to worship God. That is what they are to do. It tells us that they fly around crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is what they do. Their responsibility is to worship God. And because they are right in the presence of God... These heavenly beings, they were created to do this. But even them, they cover their faces because of the greatness and the majesticness and the majesty. And, and the awesomeness of God, they cover their faces and their feet, and they fly. And we're told a little bit about these heavenly beings, and we know that they are great and that they're big, so much so that Isaiah describes that at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook that just by them crying out holy 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 the whole place shook that that is how great and powerful those words are and isaiah sees the lord in all his glory in this vision and you see in our humanness in our human nature we cannot see the lord in all his glory and live because of our sinfulness But Isaiah, in this vision that God gave him, was able to see God's glory and experience him through this vision. Can you imagine seeing God's glory? Can you imagine it? Moses wanted to see God in all his glory. He wanted to see God and know for sure that God was with him. But God knew that he would not be able to handle seeing his glory. And so he says, I'll cover you and I'll pass by you. And you'll just see the the afterglow, so to speak. You'll just see the back. But you can't handle seeing me because I'm holy because I am perfect. Because I am God and God alone. And so Isaiah sees this vision of God and sees his holiness and sees his greatness. And God revealed this to him. And after seeing this vision of God, after seeing God's greatness and experiencing him, sitting back and experiencing this vision and seeing God go through the temple, the seraphim worshiping him, it leaves him in verse 5 to 7 to say, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. What he was saying here is, I have seen God, I have experienced God, and compared to him, I understand that I am a sinner. Compared to him, I understand that I don't deserve to be in his presence, that I don't deserve to be here. But it causes him to say to himself, I understand my sinfulness. You see, when we experience the presence and the power and the glory of God, it causes us to be changed. When we truly experience God's presence in our lives, and we truly experience his glory, then we cannot help but be changed by that when we experience it. We cannot help to be changed by after experiencing it and that should move us to want to change that should move us to want to experiencing it so how did he realize that How did Isaiah realize that? Well, he experienced that after seeing how big and how great God is. After seeing him worship, he understood that this is my creator. This is my sustainer. This is all that I need and how great and how awesome and how big he is. There's a song that I heard recently And in this song, it talked about comparing us to God. And it was almost like saying, taking a candlestick and trying to compare it to the sun. There is no comparison. There is no comparison. God shines brighter. God is bigger. God is greater. You see, when we truly experience God's power, his presence, and his glory, we cannot help but be changed. Moses, when he encountered God at the burning bush, he was changed. He encountered him. He didn't know what he was encountering. But when he encountered him, God revealed himself and he was changed. Saul on the road to Damascus, a persecutor, a hater of Christians, encountered God on that road, and through that encounter and experiencing God's presence and God's glory, he was changed and became Paul, the winner of Christians, the one who was to go on and help lead people to Christ. He could not help but be changed. You see, when we come into the presence of God, when we truly see God and experience him. We need to experience that change that goes along with it. There's a song that you know. It says, in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, in the presence of him, prince of peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the king. In the presence of God, things happen. In the presence of God, people experience victory. In the presence of God, things happen that humanly could not happen on their own. You see, when people approach Jesus, and we know that Jesus is God, things happened. Food was multiplied, blind eyes could see, the lame could walk again, the waters were stilled. We see that when people approach Jesus, that the sick were healed, that the dead were raised. In the presence of God, things happen. In the presence of God, things happen. And isn't it wonderful to know that we have direct access to God's throne, That we have the privilege, and I say a privilege, because at some point in history, people couldn't just go to God in prayer. But today, through Jesus Christ as our intercessor, we have direct access to God, to go to him in prayer, to present our needs, and to know that he hears us when we call upon him. In the presence of God, things happen. God lives and dwells all over, for he is spirit. But you see, just because someone comes to church regularly does not mean that they've experienced God. Did you know that? We can go to church our whole lives and never experience God in a real and powerful way. We need to come seeking him. We need to come desiring him. We need to come calling on him and saying, God, I desire to see you high and lifted up. God, I desire to meet with you in a real way. God, I desire to hear from you. I desire to see your visions. I desire to know you more and more. That is when we truly start to encounter God. You see, God is not one to play hide and seek with us. You know the game hide and seek? He doesn't go and hide and say, well, maybe if you're lucky, you'll find me. No, he says, if you seek me with all of your heart, then you will find me. If you seek me, then you will find me. If you desire to know me, then you will know me. God wants to be known by his people. In the presence of God, things happen. Have you experienced his presence? Have you experienced his glory? Have you experienced those things that happen? Because now is the time for us to experience those things. Now is the time for us to experience forgiveness of sins. Now is the time for us to experience being broken out of bondage in different ways. Now is the time for us to experience things that we could not do on our own, but through God, all things are possible. Whatever it is that you may be dealing with, whether it's health issues, financial issues, relational issues job situations when you come seeking God when you get into his presence we understand that things happen but you see even when Isaiah saw God and he experienced his presence I want you to see this That he didn't say, God, you're so big. Can you help me in this area of my life? Can you help me in there? Can you help me with this? Can you do this for me? Because I know you're powerful. No, when he truly experienced God, all he could think about was how awesome and how big and how great this God is. You see, there are are times and times again in, in my life in different points where God gives me these visions, where I get excited because he reveals to me truly who he is. And it's not about what he can do for me, but it's simply how great and how awesome he is. And I pray that you experience that in your own life, that you see God high and lifted up, that you get revelations from him, that you see how great this God is that we serve. Because when you understand how big and how awesome and how powerful and how holy and how perfect he is, it causes us to forget about our situation and to focus on Him. And He tells us, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and everything else will be added onto you. When we forget about everything else and we put Him first and we seek Him for truly seeking Him, then He will take care of everything else. So Isaiah sees this vision. He sees God high and lifted up. And he understands that he is unclean, that he's a man with unclean lips, and not just him, but the people around him. For the people around me are unclean. And when we see God today, and when we examine our lives, he brings out and he brings to light the things that need to be changed. And if we look around in our world today, there are many things that need to be changed. There are many things that need to be changed, And the only way that it will be changed is if we get on our knees and pray. That if we do something about it, not sit back, but we live in a sinful world. We live in a sinful world and people need to understand that. People need to understand it. So much so that in verse 8, he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am send me here i am send me god is looking for someone to go and isaiah says here i am send me you see when we experience the presence and the power of god it causes us to go it causes us to want to go it causes us not to sit still and to sit back but to do something about it and is to go isaiah says i will go send me I will do it. I've experienced this. I cannot keep it to myself. Send me, for I will go. And that's what God is looking for today. Who will go? Who will go? And when we talk about that, go where? Do what? What God is looking for are people who will go and share his word. People who will go and tell others about him. People who will go and share their testimony. That is what he's looking for. You see, the job of the pastor and missionaries, yes, is to go and to teach and to tell people about Jesus. But our call as Christians, each and every one of us is to do that. Is to go and share God's word, to go and to tell others about him. Isaiah, this passage of scripture is is called Isaiah's commission. But God gives us a great commission through Jesus when he says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, remember that as you go, you are not alone. As you go out and share and tell people about Jesus, that you do not go alone, but that his Holy Spirit goes with you. His Holy Spirit is there leading and guiding and helping us God is ascending God, and he says to go. God is ascending God, and we see in the Gospels how because he is ascending God, he sent Jesus to us. He sent Jesus so that we would be able to see the way to salvation and understand there's a God who loves us. We see in the Gospels that he sends his disciples out, he commissions them, and he tells them as we just read, go and share the Gospel, making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, doing all those things, and then in Acts we read of him sending his Holy Spirit to empower us. God is a sending God. He's not just a being out there somewhere who is there to wait till we mess up and judge us. No, he's a God who loves us, and he says, I'm not just going to sit back and watch you. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and come help you. He is ascending and loving God. And because of that, he says to us as the church, we are his hands and feet. You know that, right? He tells us that we are the body of Christ. And if we are the body of Christ, we're an extension of him. And he calls us to go He calls us to go into the world and to do the same. This is the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to share the good news, to share the hope of Jesus to the world. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. God sent Jesus to tell us, and now Jesus sends us to tell them. He sends us... If I was to ask you what your purpose here on earth is, that is the reason that you exist, our answers could vary from thing to thing, but the common thread that binds us all together is that we exist to worship God and to tell others about his love. That is the reason that we exist. The reason that we live is to worship him and to share about him. So let me ask you, When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? When was the last time you talked about your relationship? And and there are some of you who do that on a regular basis, and we praise God for that. But I believe more often we need to be in the habit of telling others about Jesus. This past week during our district assembly, one of our general superintendents who was here presiding challenged us to do that to share the gospel. This morning in our Sunday school class, we talked about the fact that we need to start sharing our testimony more and telling others about Jesus. You see, there is a common thread here because what God is saying is you don't exist just to have a fancy life. You don't exist just to be comfortable. You don't exist just to work and go on vacation. You don't exist to enjoy all the luxuries. Yes, those are great that you do that, but you exist to worship me. You exist to tell others about me, and if we're not doing that, then we're not fulfilling our purpose. You see, there are so many people who are lost in the world and they need to hear about God's love. And when we think about missions, oftentimes our mind goes, well, you know, missionaries go to Africa, they go to Asia, they go to India, they go to all these different places because those people need to hear the gospel. When you, when you know what? There are so many more people here in North America who need the gospel. There are so many people who need to hear that there's a God who loves them. There are so many people here who are living without hope, and that is why they go and they end their lives so quickly, because there's no hope because there's no hope. We hear often about celebrities who go and they end their lives. I heard about Kate Spade. Many of you know the fashion designer Kate Spade. There was a DJ recently, Avicii. There are so many people, because why? Because they just understand the here and now. Because all they're concerned with is celebrity status and keeping up an image and all of these things when they need to understand there is a hope and his name is Jesus. People need to hear it. People need to understand. Are you willing to tell them? Are you willing to be the one to go? Are you willing to be the one to tell the coworker that you sit with at lunch every day about the love of Jesus? Are you willing to tell that person that you see on a regular basis at the doctor's office or at the gym? Or are you willing to tell the parent whose child is also on the same sports team as your child are you willing to tell the person sitting next to you on the plane about the love of Jesus or the one when you're standing in line at the grocery store or waiting at the doctor's office or sitting next to at the mall? Are we willing to share about Jesus? How easy it is for us to talk about everything else, about the weather, about politics, about sports, about what's going on in our world, but oftentimes when it comes to Jesus, we shut down. And there are reasons for that, I understand, fear of rejection, fear of not knowing what to say, fear of offending people, fear of, you know, not being able to answer the questions or, or people just not ready to hear us or, or being embarrassed or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, what we should understand is that when we stand in front of God When we stand face to face with him, we can say, truly, I've done what I needed to do. And he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You see, many times, Pastor Nick and I and Pastor Yanni and the other pastors, we visit people in the hospital. And too often, I've seen people on their deathbed. People on their deathbed, people who have just passed away, bodies lying there, that I say to myself, I cannot worry about offending them by asking them if they know Jesus, but I should be offending them by not asking them about Jesus. They should be offended if I don't ask them if they know the Lord. You see, we can't worry about what other people say or other people think. We know that this is crucial that this is very important. If you knew that the house next door was on fire, that this fire, if this family did not get out, they would die. I'm sure most of you, if not all, wouldn't just sit back and expect someone else to tell them. But you would yell and scream and try to get their attention, try to help them to get out, whatever the call, the ambulance, call the fire department, the police, to try to get them to understand that there's an emergency and they need to wake up and get out. You see, there is an emergency here. There's an urgency because life in comparison to eternity is less than a blink of an eye. And we need to tell people, about the hope of Jesus. We need to help them to understand that God loves them, that he wants a relationship with them. They need to understand the hard truth, and I'm telling you this tonight because it is critical. People need to understand that there is a hell that is hot, that there is a heaven that is real. They need to understand that sin is wrong, that the Bible is God's word, and that Jesus is the only way to salvation that is what people need to hear today and that is what we need to share with them when was the last time you shared about jesus to other people romans chapter 10 verse 13 to 15 says everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved it goes on to say this how then can they call on the one they have not believed in And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can they hear without someone going? How can someone go unless they are sent? God is saying, now is the time to go now is the time to go many references in scripture talk about the gospel going along with feet why? Because when we think about feet, we're thinking it's going somewhere. We use our feet to get from place to place, and that is what the gospel is all about—going. It's not about just staying where it is, but going and being shared, and constantly going from person to person to person, so that one day everyone will know the love of Jesus. Isaiah fifty-two verse seven says, "How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those." who bring good news. And then Ephesians, in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, we talk about the armor of God. And verse 15 says, with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. With your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. The beautiful thing is that although God calls us to go, he tells us that we are not alone that he goes with us, that he goes before us, that he prepares those opportunities and those things for us, and he will empower us as we go. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that believes in missions. Every year you know that we have uh, goals to reach our missionary goals uh, financially so that we can send and help missionaries all over the world. And I want to say thank you. Thank you to many of you who give generously to world missions. Thank you for those of you who participate in missions, who who go on missionary trips, who are part of our missions council, who invest because we know that it is important. And missions is not only something out there far away, but it's right here in our own hometown, right here at workplaces, right here at our schools, right here where we are. I've told you the story before, but when I was a child, uh, and I'll tell you this again, when I was a child, you, you know Chuck E. Cheese? Okay, so Chuck E. Cheese, I guess the knockoff of Chuck E. Cheese is Woody Woodchuck's. Have you heard about it? Okay, it's probably the cheaper version. That's why my family took me there. But anyway, so I remember that's that's a place that, you know, we used to go on a regular basis as children. And, of course, our parents would say, you know, this is how many tokens you get for the games. And when it's finished, it's finished. So you want to use it wisely, right? So you'd always use it wisely. And I remember one time when uh, I was playing and and I was passing by a game, I noticed that in one of the machines... The the token uh, slot was open, it was open, and so all of the tokens that people had put into the games were exposed, right? So there was like hundreds of tokens in this game, and so it was one of those moments where you're standing there not sure what to do, right? Do I walk away? Or do I help myself, right? But then in helping myself, I thought, well, what if someone catches me? And so, you know, all these thoughts are going through my mind as an eight-year-old child, and I'm not sure what to do. So out of fear, I see, you know, one of the, the ladies who works there walk by, and I said, excuse me? I said, the token thing is open. I didn't know what to say, right? And so she says, oh, thank you so much for telling me and, and, and whatnot. And so I thought, okay, well, at least I didn't embarrass myself by trying to steal it and, and, and you know, whatever, getting caught. So anyways, it went on, played with my game, and the manager comes over to me. So the manager says, excuse me, are you the one who found the, the, the slot open, let's call it. I don't know what to call it, right? And so I thought that she thought that I did it, right? And so at first I wanted to say no, but the other lady was there and I said, yeah, I I just walked past and I saw it and so I told her, right? I didn't take anything. She says, oh no, I don't think that you took anything. She says, I want to reward you for it, right? And she says, here are a hundred tokens, And I thought, wow. I thought, okay, I'm going to go look for other slots that are open to tell them about it, right? And so I had 100 tokens. And so I didn't know when I was coming back to Chuck E. Cheese, okay, Or Woody Woodchucks, the knockoff version of Chuck E. Cheese. So I didn't know when I was coming back to it. And so I thought, 100 tokens? That's a lot for me. So I started giving them to my brothers. And, you know, I still had so many. I felt like a rich kid, right? And so I'm walking around the whole place with the other kids there. I'm like, here, have a token on me. Here, have this game on me, right? And so I'm walking around giving to everybody who I could find these tokens because I just had so much that I myself could not use them on my own. So I was giving them away so generously, so freely because there was just so much. I tell you this story to tell you this. That when we experience God's presence, God's power, and God's glory, it overwhelms us so much to the point that we cannot keep it to ourselves. That it is just so much and so awesome that we cannot just hold it to ourselves because we can't contain it. But we must go and share it with others around us. God says, go. Now is the time for us to go and to share God's word. I want to challenge you to consider your relationship with God. Maybe you're at the beginning stages where you need to experience his glory and his presence. And he wants you to experience that because he says that if you seek me, you will find me. Perhaps you have a relationship with God, but you need to once again ask him to forgive you and cleanse you from your sin as Isaiah asked him to be cleansed. Or maybe today you need to ask God to help to empower you as you go and live your life to share about Him and what He's done, to share His greatness, to use every opportunity that we have to give Him glory and to tell others about Him. And as we go, remember that He is with us. Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord that you give us visions from time to time, that you help us to experience you in real and awesome ways. And Lord, we pray that indeed you would help us to look upon you, to focus upon you, to see you high and lifted up. And we pray, God, that you would cleanse us from our sin and our unrighteousness, that you would forgive us, oh God, and not only forgive us, but that, Lord, you would empower us as we go and we share about who you are, share your greatness with other people. May you go before us. May you give us the courage. May you give us the wisdom and the the guidance, and the direction. May you give us, Lord, the words to say. May you give us the softness and the readiness, O oh God, as people hear about you. And so, Lord, may you use us each day for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we thank you, not because of what you've done, but simply because of who you are. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us, and we pray that you would continue to use each one, for your honor, and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you stand, and as we sing this closing song, My Jesus, I love thee. If some of you would like to come to the altar to pray tonight about any of those things, then I invite you to come. I invite you to come and spend some time with God, and remember that now is the time for us to go. God bless you.